If your metro don't trust you, I'm gon' shut you Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, babe Nothing on What's up? Nostalgia coming at you. Your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan. This man next to me, Dave Martinson, his left stroke just went viral. Right we're... stroke put the baby in a spiral. Oh, dude. That, that song is straight fire. And we're going to get to Kendrick. We got a right. lot to talk about today. We're going to be looking at a couple of season finales for a couple of shows that we've been touching on here and there as we've had the two time. biggest shows that were just out. Yeah, definitely. Big Late Little Lies and Legion. We're going to touch on some movie news, and then we're going to jump into the month ahead. There's a lot of albums, a lot of TV shows that are going to be starting up. We want to let you know what you should and shouldn't be watching yeah. and listening to. That so. content. Hashtag content. So much of it. you got to budget your time in the era of peak TV and lots of music. It really is peak TV, but why don't we start with TV that's ended before yeah, the yeah. new TV starts? Big Little Lies. HBO's seven-episode miniseries. Right, from a book. That's yeah. from a book. And a, a book I did not read. No, usually not. It, it was interesting. So yeah. it was... It, th- this show, I think, was kind of a surprise. I mean, it had a lot of big actors in it. Oh, of course, yeah. And, and so it's hard to say, like, oh, a show with Reese Witherspoon. Nicole uh, Kidman. Yeah, <laughs> Shailene Woodley and, and right. people like and that. the rest can be a surprise hit, but it really like kind of like grabbed the culture for a little bit, especially the season finale. Everybody was tweeting about it. So I've, I haven't finished the whole show, but I did see a, the overwhelmingly positive reception to the finale, mm-hmm. which is good because, you know, it's kind of like a, the main plot was a mystery, right? Yep. So people were curious to see how that, you know, ended. So it's good that that went over well. But yeah, looking back, I mean, I didn't know this at first, but Big Little Lies, uh, HBO won the bidding war with Netflix back in May 2015 for the rights to this. So this show is going to be made no matter what, Mm -hmm. but it is a really solid win for HBO because, you know, they've actually been on quite the hot streak with, obviously, Thrones, you know, it's always good, but Night of, Westworld, Young Pope, which they got really cheap. Westworld, eh. And Big Little Lies. Well, it was, a, it was a really popular. Yeah, really way. popular. We'll talk about Westworld when we get the Legion. <laughs> so, it just sustained the buzz, and it's also a great win for, like, linear TV, because mm-hmm. this was a week-to-week show. Right. And you can see that with the Big Little Lies finale being the series ratings high. Yeah. Which I think is really fascinating, and they get the best of both worlds, too, because with HBO Go, the whole thing's there to binge if you mm-hmm. want. Whereas, like, Netflix, like a show like Stranger Things, gives the illusion of being super buzzworthy, but Big Little Lies really, like, commanded word of the mouth for seven weeks. And Absolutely. built off that, and now it has the binge stuff, whereas I feel like a, Netflix, a show that's bit, uh, streamable all at once for a whole season, that can kind of die faster. So it's really interesting to see how Big Little Lies was the success that it was. I think that's a really interesting discussion of how do you release a popular TV show in, in the modern viewing world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, Stranger Things, very buzzworthy, you drop all the episodes, everybody binges it, it it's, right. has maybe a month's shelf life. Yeah. This commanded two months alone putting out an episode every week but like with mm-hmm. the streaming numbers which i don't even know what those numbers are but i'm sure that a lot of people caught up if the season finale had the highest ratings right it means people weren't watching live until the end i also wonder what impact social media has on that where mm-hmm. people felt like they needed to see it when it happened instead yeah, exactly. of having it spoiled so it's yeah. a really interesting yeah the ratings were almost twice as high as the premiere but that probably doesn't mean that twice yeah. many people watch it because some people that probably did HBO Go a little midweek probably watched the finale live to make right. sure they weren't spoiled. But either way, it's strong. And it actually is the most female-centric show from an audience standpoint for HBO in That's a long awesome. time. 59% female. That's the most female-centric audience since Big Love, which went ah. from 06 to 2011. 
Big love, all so, about that. Big wang. <laughs> so, I mean, that's interesting. I thought girls would have, you know, been the biggest, most recent. Well, we talked about girls a little bit before, and I gave my thoughts on it. I, I don't know if, if I other viewers of girls share that. I mean, it I'm feels just like a like very the, niche show. Yeah, but the fe- I, I still think the female, like, demo being so skewed female. But I think you have to think about the kind of demo that it girls to, catches. It's, it's yeah, young it's girls. What whereas, the show's actually about. Yeah. Right, whereas this is, like, middle-aged women who do watch shows on the weekends, right. and whereas teenagers and, and young 20s probably aren't as into HBO and, and things of that sort. Do you think Big Little Lies has a Emmy limited series potential? Because it's got such a strong pedigree in terms of the acting categories, and HBO obviously pushed for it. I could, I could see it getting a couple noms, but I don't think it's really worthy of it. I, I don't think the acting or even the, the, the story, in, mm-hmm. especially the way that they wrapped it up, I didn't think was outstanding in any way it was just kind of a fun watch you know it, it looked cool kind of just hanging out with these snobby upscale yeah. ridiculous characters Monterey. uh reese <clears throat> excuse me reese witherspoon was fantastic yeah i think nicole kidman her actually had she i think she probably had the best performance by the end it was like a very slow burn cause she basically starts off playing point guard in a lot of scenes at the beginning and then mm-hmm. she kind of russell westbrooks it and takes the ball and it's just like <laughs> dominating these like therapy scenes which is pretty cool but if I had to pick like an MVP, it's obviously Reese. She was consistent throughout the season. She was fun to watch every season, even if she was just very, I don't know. Irritating? Yeah, irritating is a good word, because <laughs> her character is just like yeah, so... It's a lot. So terrible. I mean, it, it'll be a stacked uh, race, too, because Big Little Lies would go up against the night of Fargo mm-hmm. Season 3, that new show Feud on FX, and assumingly American Horror Story gets something... Right. So, limited series is really strong right now. Limited series is just the way to go, because people want to know when things are going to end. You think about these, like, 20-episode series. A one-season commitment is so much more appealing. So, even something like The Walking Dead, where they have a lot of episodes still, Mm -hmm. they cut it in half. So it doesn't the feel eight, like yeah. as much. It feels a little bit more digestible. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think we've talked about this in the past, but that seems to be the way TV's moving anyway. Right. The stronger, more succinct mm-hmm. season. You know who actually surprised me in this was uh, Alexander Skarsgård? Yeah. I've seen him in, what's it, uh, Vampire Dot? No, he's not I always get him and Peter Skarsgård confused. Their no. last names are different. What's but... the HBO? Uh, True Blood. True Blood. Oh, yes. So, yeah. 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 He was in True Blood. seen him in that. That's really his only big credits, I think. I think so. I mean, I think he's, he's played other bit roles. He's relatively young. But he was pretty terrifying by the end. And, mm-hmm. like, the the scene where they actually show how he dies. Spoiler alert. Didn't know that. <laughs> it, 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 I thought it was it becomes pretty obvious, but sure. I don't know. He's getting a little handsy when Nicole in the premiere. Yeah, some so. people were surprised. But by the end, I think you'll figure that out. He is just, like, he really goes, like, caveman in it, which is pretty cool to see. So I think overall this is a... Interesting idea, and they kind of leave it open-ended by the end, but I don't think we'll see a second season to this. If anything, you get some of that gang back together for a different HBO project, because now Hmm. they have a strong HBO, you know, rapport, because Reese and Kidman both produced The Big Little Lies, so if they want to have more success on TV, they're probably more inclined to do with HBO. But I don't think a sequel is something any of them would be overly enthusiastic about, unless the author writes a new book or something. It's kind of fun to think about them, like, hanging out and being like, oh, what what, what did you read this month? Do you want to make this project? Yeah, yeah. We got money. It's all good. So, Dave, another show that wrapped up. We talked about its penultimate episode. We're talking about its ultimate episode, (laughs) Legion. What did you think, man? The ultimate episode. The ultimate episode. I liked it a lot. I think the show got better as it went. Yeah, so Legion, eight episodes, again, shorter season, part of the appeal. Despite being a short season, there's a lot to uh, process as you watch the show because Mm -hmm. it's a show that takes place inside 
the main character's mind. For the most part. For the most part, especially in the beginning. What, like two-thirds of the season are right. in his head? In his head, whether it's his thoughts or mm-hmm. something he believes to be real that's not real, right? Right. But just the way that the show would visually present all these things happening inside David's head, right? I think was just so strong that even in episode seven, when there was a very exposition-y moment where he's talking to himself with the whiteboard mm-hmm. and basically explaining that how things awesome, are. Right? Yeah, because it makes sense that he would talk to himself. Mm-hmm. That's such an expert way to do exposition that it totally worked. And that's a show where... And also, I, I really liked Legion just because even if he didn't totally know what was going on, because even the main character didn't know what was going on, that's kind of the point, I never like doubted that this would be resolved in a satisfying mm-hmm. way because of, you know, obviously our faith in Noah Hawley as yeah, a I trust great Noah creator with of my life. television. With my life, dog. And, and that was why I wanted to reference Westworld because Westworld is a show that they've admitted to <laughs> writing and rewriting as they went. And it just clearly, especially in the beginning of the season, it just clearly presented itself in a way that ah, we don't actually know if they know where they're going. But no, with Noah Hawley, there's no doubt about that. So yeah. really awesome season. And we already know there's season two happening. We teased that. Mm-hmm. slash nostalgia pod and on YouTube. Check it out. So this was kind of the origin story season, but it was done in such a unique, successful way that I'm really in- intrigued to see what David, with a better grasp of his powers, right. will do in season two. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because I hadn't really thought about it as an origin story season. Mm-hmm. From you saying that, it seems like you don't think they'll explore the connection to Professor X possibly any further. I don't think they're going to do it really directly. I know the Shadow King, the main villain, the man with right. the yellow eyes has a rivalry with X, Professor X in the comics. His name Farouk? Is that yeah, I think that, that was the name of one of the people he possessed. He's kind of gotcha. like a, a spiritual like force that takes over people yeah. and becomes them. Obviously, he's still there. He's still out there. And we know Professor X exists, at least in this Legion world. But I don't know if we're really going to meet him. I mean, we're meeting Gus in Better Call Saul this season. Right. I don't know if season three of Legion, hey, hey look, Professor X is coming. Yeah. Like Supergirl, they have Superman on that show now. Like, I don't know if we're going to like mm-hmm. go like that directly. It'll be interesting you to know? see. Because I feel like it would almost pull away from what this story is really trying to do. Yeah. Like being one of those like side superhero stories, kind of in the vein of what Netflix has done with Iron Fist or Jessica Jones or right. Daredevil. I thought, you know, especially kind of pulling it into this finale, I thought one of the parts that left me wanting a little bit more was like there's a, a scene when David says I don't know who I am without this thing yeah that's been with him this whole Money. life and I feel like almost in a way there was some holes in character development and like some inconsistencies in how each character kind of got play in the season sure like I'm actually forgetting the name of the character but the uh, the black character uh Patami yeah Patami he kind of just reads people's minds basically or memories yeah and he kind of just goes away for like the last two i mean he's like in the scenes but he doesn't really have a very important an important part except for when he comes to shoot the shadow king when it takes over oh yeah because he doesn't do anything in the uh, hospital uh, hallucination illusion yeah and i mean there's so many people that you care about that Mm -hmm. it's hard to give everybody that shine when you only have probably like 47 minutes or something along those lines right but um, yeah it was also interesting with episode eight the finale starting off with the five minutes bringing back Hamish Linklater's character, who was right. the Division Three bad guy who mm-hmm. was, like, interrogating David in the very beginning in that pool scene. Yeah, And, and like, thought... humanizing him, the villain, is great and all, but I still think we could use that time a little yes, better. Absolutely. Or I mean, maybe that's even a, a justification for having a longer episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like a show like, uh, Breaking Bad like Westworld or Mr. Robot Season 2, sometimes yeah. the episodes would be too long. Mm-hmm. But I think in this moment, we definitely could have used some more scenes... Absolutely. In addition to, you know, flushing out that ancillary villain that we didn't think we were going to know anything about again. Exactly. Even if he did show up. 
which I think actually is a lot for the show to pull out for and Mm -hmm. like you said they probably have it already planned out of how long this is going to go but you can really dive into each character i mean we don't even know if gene smart's character has a superpower yeah does melanie bird is she i don't know i don't think i don't even know so because like i mean the parallels are obvious right like summerland's like a Professor Xavier's right. gifted school, and she's like Professor X, but does she Professor have powers? Professor X has powers. Yeah, <laughs> obviously the most pow- the yeah. most powerful mind, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't if that's where the parallel stop, but I thought it was interesting that Sid Barrett's character mm-hmm. is named Sid Barrett. You know, yeah. Pink Floyd connection. And there were pretty two obvious Pink Floyd songs in the finale, right? Right. She's also basically rogue from X Men. Her powers, which yeah. she can't really like make any human contact with anyone. Is the MVP of the season Dan Stevens or is it Aubrey Plaza? Yeah, so I actually wrote down Aubrey Plaza, but Dan Stevens is like 1B to me. Right. Like, Aubrey Plaza... They're both really great, obviously. Yeah, and I, I thought Aubrey Plaza, like, at first I didn't really understand what her character was doing. I think that was obviously intentional. Yeah, we, then, we assume she was there for, like, audience surrogateness or some right. kind of comic role. I did not expect yeah. her to be a figment of the villain, Yeah, you know, a form of the villain. And the way that she was able to embody that in, like, the makeup department, the way that yeah. they made her look in those last couple episodes, like, when she comes out with, like, all the sludge on her when yeah. David was trying to, like, kill her and all that. Amazing. That scene we I talked about last week, the Baruch-style scene. Yes. What did you think of that? That Like, when it was uh, black and white with, like, the... Yeah. The, uh, the, the, subtitles, the silent so. movie, like, yeah. word cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really, really great because, like, her uh, appearance was all distorted mm-hmm. and, like, like disheveled yep. at that point. I don't even think it's a hot take. This is Aubrey Plaza's best role. This is be- oh, this is better God. than Parson Rec by so a mile. Much better. So and now it gives her so much more to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, she's great at being mm-hmm. deadpan comedian, yep. but she's obviously so much more than that. And obviously, she'll be in season two, so mm-hmm. that's great. I'm looking forward to it. And that final scene when you see her driving, or at least the final scene for her in the season when you see mm-hmm. her driving away with Oliver. Yeah. And she's in a different outfit, like right. a more. It's like kind of fitting Oliver's uh, vibe. Personality. Yeah. So. Yeah, Oliver's character was like really fascinating, but he was also kind of annoying because I was like, can you just have, bring us some clarity? Right. You seem like you'd be a guy who knows something. <laughs> and Please he knows something. Did, but his mind was just <laughs> yeah. so far gone. Also, what a sad thing. He finally realizes Melanie's his wife and then immediately gets. Yeah. Taking over by Shadow King. So, did you see that post credit scene? Yes. Which, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of that as, like, an homage to Marvel movies? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool, and there's a lot of theories about what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are throwing out Mojo, which is a X-Men villain, hmm. which I didn't know anything about at the time. Definitely going to start the season off in a interesting, interesting place, for sure, right? Absolutely. But, yeah, Legion, obviously, huge success. We said in the beginning, it barely feels like a superhero show, especially in the mm-hmm. beginning of the season. That's part to, partly to its strength. Right. Very unique. Obviously, Noah Hawley. We'll see him again soon with Fargo. Yeah. Really exciting. It's interesting because David, spoiler, if you did not watch this and you're listening to this, David gets taken away in like this ball at the end. Like that's... Right. Basically, like the after the credit scene, it's almost like they're doing like a go to meet, go like train with Yoda type thing. They're like taking oh. David away from. Interesting. I don't know if that that's really what it is, but like taking the main character, like the and the, taking it from the rest of the protagonist cast. away from the rest of the cast, kind of right. gives these two journeys that will probably end up back together at some point. Interesting. But did you have a, a least valuable player this season? Someone that you didn't like or you thought wasn't well done? I don't think anyone was well done. I thought most of like. Bird's crew had their moments. Mm-hmm. Carrie, I thought yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, no, um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess David's sister, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the point. She's not supposed to be that important, really. She's Which is too bad because she's a really like, yeah. I thought fun she actress. was really good. Yeah, Kay Aston. Yeah, actually, I thought Bill Irwin as Carrie was one of the better performances yeah. of the season, especially how like, like his dynamic with yeah. how uh, 
They're all also named his Carrie, sister. right? Yeah, his sister Carrie, who's like in. Oh, wait, they're sisters. Brother and well, sister. They're brother and sister. Is oh. What... And o- and only uh, she ages when she's outside. Yeah. Exactly. That was in the way that like their their relationships and how they get mad and. Yeah, you know, attached and detached from each other. Very interesting. Especially that scene where, he, where he's like, where Carrie's fighting inside David's mind, and like Carrie on the outside is like getting, experiencing it, getting like, beaten up. Yeah, basically. pretty awesome. Yeah. So Dave, why don't you update us on a story we haven't really talked about in a long Shit. time? The screening room. Sean Parker. Yes. It's screening room, not the screening room. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Justin Timberlake from the Social Network. Yes. About a year ago, around CinemaCon time, I believe it was exactly a year ago then. The Screening Room came out, which was basically a venture project from Sean Parker and a bunch of other people where it would be a box, a set-top box you'd have in your home, and you would pay $50 to watch a movie in your home, same day, digital, for when it released, theatrically, right? And there was some people in support of it, some, obviously, some high-profile directors against it because, you know, it cuts out the theaters, could Mm -hmm. lead to the decline in, you know, Hollywood revenue, things like that. People on both sides, there's a lot of good points on that. But I wanted to get back to this because, you know, we really hadn't talked about it since that news broke because there was really no news. Mm -hmm. But at CinemaCon this year, which a lot of trailers and information came out, but I wanted to get back to the video on demand topic because a lot of people were chiming in on it. And a lot of the studios are discussing video on demand, basically the window changing. So when your favorite movie comes out in the theaters, it comes to your optimum cable box what 90 days is usually yeah. about the time and then uh, you can rent it for like 10 bucks like yeah not even 10 it's probably, probably it's like five dollars i think five? okay and you know that'll change depending on if it's successful or not at the box office and you know dvds and uh digital hd purchases have their own similar timeline basically the talk is that we're going to shrink that so a movie you can get the movie in your home to rent sooner mm-hmm. talk of it being maybe within a month of 45 days and it would be between 30 and $45. And some of the studios are, are for it. Disney hasn't really chimed in, and obviously Disney is kind of the king of the box office right now. Yeah. So it makes sense why they would be like, no, nah, everything's good for us, no need to right. change anything. No, nah, homie. Uh, Christopher Nolan was asked about it, and he was like, the only thing I want to talk, I'm here to talk about is theatrical uh, distributions. Hmm. But this isn't going to go away. I think VOD will be amended, and I right. think that's kind of the rule we're down here. Mm-hmm. And basically the hang-up is where the profits go. If it's doing really well in the box office, we'll just delay the timeline, things like that. I think it's a good uh, conversation to have just because how much money does a movie really make towards the end of its theatrical run? Why should we still make people wait for VOD? Yeah. Just talk of like big families where it's expensive to go to the movie theater. This is a good option, things like that. Rarely does a movie after four weeks really still top the box office. It needs to be like a mega, mega hit. Right. I don't know where, where Beauty and the Beast is at, but I'm sure that that has been unseated by a movie at this point. Yeah, it's not. it wasn't first last week. It was like first two weeks in a row? Correct, yeah. And But I mean, it's one track for a billion worldwide. Yeah. So this would be a movie that they would might push back its window before we get mm-hmm. to VOD in this scenario. It's still an interesting thing because you kind of see both sides to it. It's going to be interesting because I, I could see a company, like I forgot which company it was that uh, did like Gods of Egypt that we basically Lionsgate, I believe. Yeah, Lionsgate. I could, yeah. I could see some like a company like that taking a risk with something like this and right. putting their movies out to like video on demand way earlier just to try to skirt like movies that might do really poorly at the box office and be like, hey, you want to see this movie, you can check it out for $4 on your right. TV rather than paying $12 at, at the movie theater, which you're probably not going to do anyway. Yeah. More eyes on it and probably get a bigger push for it. Yeah, then there's like the case of like a Hidden Figures or like a mm-hmm. La La Land, something that right. doesn't really 
ever win any one weekend or win maybe one weekend. Mm-hmm. But it has a very small decrease in returns week to week, so it actually right. has a pretty long box office life, even if it doesn't have the really sharp highs of like a Beauty and the Beast or any huge blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And then, then you look at the interview. Remember the interview with uh, yeah. Seth Rogen? Yeah. That did not have the theater release, but it went right to Netflix, Netflix so yeah. it was free. And that did not make a lot of money or really driving Netflix subscriptions. Mm-hmm. VOD, obviously, you still be paying the rental fee. And in this yep. scenario, we're talking about a more expensive rental fee because it would be much sooner. So, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think yeah. about because... I mean, like, think about it. You can get all your, your homies together and yeah. throw down on the 30 or $45 make it quite quite worth it. So that's why yeah. theaters might be against it because, you know, a lot of movie theaters, they've been mm-hmm. investing in, like, high-end experiences, getting alcohol at their theaters now, yeah. stuff like that. So they're going, like, hey, we've been trying to really boost this experience, and so now we're going to have to fight against getting people to leave their home. See, it, it's really funny to think about because, like, for example, I would do something like this for, like, Fast and the Furious, but something like Moonlight, I want to go see in the movie theater. Support it, yeah. yeah. You're still supporting it if you're renting it. So. Yeah, but I, I think even just getting that movie theater experience, seeing right. it on a big screen with a good like good surround sound where the the sound is like exactly how they want it to be. Correct. Yeah. It makes a difference. But I also wouldn't consider people like you and I casual moviegoers. Like we are not yeah. typical in terms of right. mostly people are families. Yeah. They probably don't want to take their kids out and hassle the, and buy pay fifteen dollars for a soda. And yeah. There's there's pluses and minuses to both yeah. sides of this. Yeah, people like the movie theater experience this is not going to change their perception i think yeah you're right it's, it's targeting the people that you have to convince to go to exactly movies sometimes so. right we'll get uh, some updates on it because all the studios are sharing opinions and directors as well so won't go away but i just want to you know provide that a uh, industry update yeah it's a good update and it's actually a really interesting discussion to continue to bring to people because it's going to probably affect people's real lives in a little bit I mean, yeah no, exactly. at least in terms of how they, they see things like movies speaking of movies there's uh, isn't even a rumor it's confirmed right joss whedon is going to be directing a Batgirl movie yeah i believe he's still in talks but it seems like it's pretty close to a done deal based off of all the reports from uh, variety that broke the story and this would be a dc movie yeah, so he's jumping Bat- from Batgirl, Marvel obviously. to DC. Yeah, that's that's what so big deal because obviously Joss Whedon, huge name in entertainment. How do I know him? So Joss yeah. Whedon, Joss Whedon did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right. Huge hit, obviously. Twenty year anniversary just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also made Firefly. Yep. And then uh, he's underappreciated uh, absolutely. TV series. Canceled way too soon. He got mm-hmm. totally effed by yeah. the, the <laughs> network when they aired it out of order and yeah. well, skipped weeks. And, <laughs> yeah, totally left out the dry. I think it actually just left Netflix. But Netflix forever. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Um, and then, of course, he did The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joss Whedon, very beloved in the, you know, the entertainment community. But, you know, when he left Marvel, it was amicable, but he kind of said that Marvel's heavy hand in keeping their the Marvel Cinematic Universe brand intact kind of wore on him at the end because he is such a mm. filmmaker, you know, an yeah. auteur, if you will. And uh, we've seen that before. Edgar Wright left Ant-Man due to these kind of differences. Right. Marvel has, you know, their vision and their brand for what they want Marvel movies to look like and act like what they want them to accomplish. Um, that's why it's so awesome that Ryan Coogler is still doing Black Panther. Yeah. People thought, oh, you might be, like, too personal of a director. Uh, that's actually why Ava DuVernay turned down Black Panther for mm-hmm. these very reasons. Yeah. So that's why Josh Whedon left Marvel, but it seems that the sentiment would be that if he's going to do DC, do another huge movie, join, you know, Warner and do Batgirl, that he's going to have a lot of creative control. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's, you know, so driven to this. And he actually tried to get a Wonder Woman thing going in the 2000s for a while and didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of been... A, and he did Buffy, so obviously he likes female characters. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see. I hope he does stay with the project. Yeah, and the rumors right now around there that this would be like a one-off. It would just be like a standalone film, sort mm-hmm. of like Venom, like we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. But there had been talks about 
doing a movie with like Margot Robbie as yeah, yeah. Harley Quinn. Yeah, Gotham City then, Sirens. Yeah, so Poison Ivy would be in it too. I wonder if this would be kind of a jump off point, at least for whoever she plays Batgirl. Seemingly would be an antagonist to that group. Right. I like this though because DC recently announced Nightwing. We mentioned that in the pod. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud.com/slash/pod. Stay plugging. Matt Reeves recently signed on to direct the Batman once Affleck recently mm-hmm. left. Still doing the Batman, of course, the role. DC's kind of getting there's like Batman subfamily going. Right. Nightwing, Batgirl, the Batman. Obviously, Batman will get sequels. But kind of like that. I think that's that's kind of cool because it's called like a way to hedge their bets because you can connect that with obviously the Harley Quinn film. Yep. And if something like Aquaman doesn't do well, I, I like this direction and getting Joss Whedon. There's like, hey, get that talent. You know, you gotta do mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. You know, Mel trying to get Mel Gibson for Suicide Squad reportedly. Yeah, DC needs to go all out on this because if if this plan falls apart, they're basically starting from square one and they're never gonna catch right. up. And it's not like they've had. Without their director issues too, the Flash lost uh, Rick Famuyiwa. They lost, I think they lost another director as well. They need to get these right. But I, I like this bet they're doing. And heck, if seeing a Nightwing movie and a Batgirl movie really cool. Batgirl's a really cool character. She's Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Yeah. So that should be cool. So yeah, um, big deal for a lot of reasons. Did you hear who's rumored to be cast as Batgirl? No, I, I mean I've seen people throwing out lists. I, I haven't been able to think of anyone that really jumps out at me. The, apparently, there's heavy rumors of that a girl named Lindsay Morgan, who's on this uh, the CW show The One Hundred, a post-apocalyptic. She's the lead of The One Hundred. I don't. I actually did not look enough into this. So I can check it out real quick here. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I've heard good things about The One Hundred. Actually, it's supposed to be pretty cool. It's like it's almost like a like a battle royale Hunger Games esque world. Yeah, she's not the lead in it. That's a good call to go with someone who's not well known in exactly. the audiences. Like I saw people throwing around like Emily Bett Rickards who is on Arrow and stuff. I'm like, ah, you're, she's starting a superhero project. I don't know if you can do that. People throwing out like, Chloe Grace Moretz who did Hit Girl and Kick Ass, hmm. and I don't know, she hasn't had anything hmm. good lately. I yeah. don't know if that works. Well, it's, it's no one else. I, I don't know. I can't think of anyone. I saw a picture of uh, like the huge Lindsay A-lister. Morgan I don't know if they work out next to a picture of uh, Batgirl from a, a recent comic. I guess they said it's like a new Fifty Two or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a, a new iteration of the character. And they they do look very similar, and that's supposedly what Joss Whedon would be basing the film off of is some new inter- iteration. Yeah. So PTSD with her uh, Joker encounter, which is pretty cool. That'd be a really interesting subplot to all this. So mm-hmm. it actually fit. Might be a way to get Joker back into the good graces yeah and it would actually be a really interesting thing because you kind of see the the after effects of the joker on batman in batman versus superman right so kind of an interesting thread there so yeah. we'll keep you guys updated as we hear stuff on this we obviously talk about superhero movies all the time but they're dominating the yeah, movie cycle right now big deal. <laughs> josh whedon's making a movie we talk about it and here we are exactly so april Huge month for TV and music. I M- guess movies, you got Fate of the Furious. That'll be huge. Yes. It will, and we already previewed yeah. movies for April. So go back and check out our podcast from last week. <laughs> YouTube us, Nostalgist, SoundCloud.com. Yeah, help us out with a subscribe on YouTube. Big help. So why don't we start with Kendrick? Because he, yeah. he dropped another fire song. Sit down. Be humble. Be humble. I mean, this might be my favorite music video and. I don't even know how long. The music video is incredible. It's so Amazing. so crazy. I mean, the visuals on it are just absurd. Mm-hmm. Like the the one that I think everybody's been tweeting where it's just him standing in that white hoodie and the people with the yeah. ropes around their head on fire. And then Kendrick's head's on fire. Yeah, just, just insane. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, also, when he's riding his bike and around like the globe. With like the fisheye lens. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I like the, when he's got the Steve Jobs turtleneck. Yeah, and it, it keeps going from shot to shot, yeah. different angles. Uh, just Pretty cool. Kendrick does a lot of things really well, but I think his, his music videos are always spot on. So he's releasing a new album, at least he said in his song, The Heart Part 4, 
this yeah. Friday. I was checking this again just to double check. There's no confirmation of his album coming out April 7th anywhere. No Apple Music banner seemingly mm-hmm. confirming nothing. So it seems like we're on a crash course for a surprise release and thus an event list. Yep. I mean, can't wait. It, I really hope he does drop it. But if he, he if he could pick another weekend, if he wants to wait a week, I'd appreciate it because yeah, we have not. a lot of good albums coming out this weekend. Yeah, we do. Why don't we start with Joey Badass? Because I think we talked about him last week. Yeah, Joey Bad. All American. All American Badass coming out April seventh. He just released a so- another song, Rockabye Baby, with Schoolboy Q. This album actually is leaked. Oh, okay. Have so, you listened to it? I have not. Kind of sucks. So I'm gonna support him with the Spotify streams come Friday. Have you heard any feedback on it? No, I haven't. I haven't much to look for it. But um, all the songs he's released before, "Rock by Baby," "The End of the Free," mm-hmm. uh, "Devastated," which was an awesome single from last year, all positive. So, yep. and again, he's talked about the current events, political, racially driven themes coming. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to have a message, which is great because we know Kendra will have a message. Yeah, and you mentioned this last week, but the American is, has the KKK in it right. instead of a C. So, obviously, moving towards that political side of it also with him being mr robot i have to imagine in some respect he has some feelings towards the things going on yeah um, and how could you so. not with the, the just the climate uh, absolutely in america at, at this time chain smokers band that you very much like a band or i guess a, a, a <laughs> dj group you very much like well they, they they do perform with some bands like coldplay very uh, uh, that's a band yeah yeah and they do songs with halsey who also has an album or a single coming out people like month. her right yeah, she's okay. Potential? Yeah, I don't know. Eh. Backseat of the Rover, man. I mean... That I, you know you can't afford. The, their lyrics make no sense most of the time. Chainsmokers debut album, Memories Do Not Open, April 7th, supported by three trash songs, the one Coldplay... I want something the, just like this, Dave. Something the, just like this. The One and Paris, which is a blatant, <laughs> closer rip in terms of Sonics. Even the, the lyric content video? is just... <laughs> Just ridiculous, like closer, like closer at least has like a catchy, like meaningful, damn good catchy song. Yeah, you know? a- absolutely. But Paris, it's just ridiculous. Some of the stuff that they're saying, yeah. like uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem with artists selling out. Make your money, get your mm-hmm. star. No problem with that. But I don't like it when you sell out and you just suck. I love the chain smokers because now they they they've sucked really quick. You know what? Like, it you, is? Used, you used to kind of be a fan, right? Like you used to ride for like songs like Roses. Roses, like, I, they're, I they're, they're early EPs. Yeah, selfie. I mean, it's just a ridiculous song, and, yeah, and we were reminiscing beforehand. Like it's kind of crazy that they've become this big, and started off with a song like that. Yeah, selfie was what, almost four years ago. I think. 2012, yeah. Five years ago. 2013. Yeah. One, one of those. Pretty, a while ago. Yeah. And now they're probably one of the top drawing EDM groups out yep, there. that's I for mean, sure. They're headlining EDM festivals. Which is just insane. And it also just speaks to the quality. And no offense to any of our listeners who may like it, but if you really, like, ride hard for chain smokers, I, I want to, like, I think educate I you a little I bit. I just don't understand how anyone actually rides hard for them. They right. just kind of like the catchy pop music that they can dance to. Anyone who rides hard for them, I think, is just, you know, an obsessive fan. Everyone right. has those. I guess so. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see any critics that are like, the chain smokers are saving EDM and here's why. My column. You <laughs> saving don't know. EDM, which doesn't need saving. But yeah, no, that, here's my column. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a thing for That me. would be a hot take. Actually, Dave, you should write that column. I would love to see <laughs> that. It's a good tweet. That. I'll send um, it out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could not be less excited for this. I could not be less excited to hear these stupid ass songs on the radio for the next six months. Yeah, they, they send our billboard record for having three top ten songs at the same time. And it was the three I just mentioned. Or no, no, the, uh, it was, sorry, it was the Coldplay song, Paris, and then a Closer. 
Come on, I don't want them having this record. It's just it's, <laughs> it's low hanging fruit. Kind of crazy. Closer still up there though. Yeah, that's it's undeniable song. Really crazy. They didn't get any Grammy attention. And that that's the thing. <laughs> they can make undeniable songs, but their last couple singles have just been complete shit. Exactly. If every song in the album's gonna be like closer, I'd listen to it and really enjoy it, and then be like, okay, it's pop bubble gum, like whatever. I'll yeah, yeah fine. Out. But. The fact that they're like, like oh, Ky- we're going to the NBA Kygo record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's actually a good point. Although they aren't even as inventive as Kygo. They just, ugh. Because now Andrew Taggart's getting his singing voice going. <laughs> uh, whatever. They're, win- they're winning. They, they, they definitely stay winning. Two rock albums coming out this weekend, I guess if you want to call Father John Misty rock. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, he... Rock's he, a broad term. Yeah, he really expands a lot of genres or spans a lot of genres i should say mm-hmm. it's his first album since 2015 follow-up to i love you honey bear i mean i'm really excited to to hear this i really liked i love you honey bear and it was his singles he's got a bunch of singles already yeah pure comedy was one that seems to have really stood out to people a couple of his other singles that were released are i just had it right in front of me <laughs> Sorry, he. I was just reading here. He, he released a cover of a song called "Trump's Private Pilot," a song written by huh. Tim Heidecker on SoundCloud. On the way to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> is it is it Mar-a-Lago? Is I don't it Mar-a-Lago? Know. Mar-a-Lago. I think it's Mar-a-Lago. I don't know. So yeah, "Holy Hell" is a is one of the songs. "Ballad of the Dying Man," uh, "Total Entertainment Forever." It's actually really funny. So a, a Metacritic had uh, a couple scores up from users who have somehow gotten their hands on this. They let people they let people rate. Before something's out, uh, at least I, that that that's what I saw. Yeah, you can also, see that on IMDb too. Yeah, the, the screeners. Critics had uh, the critics had this at like ninety three percent, and like users were around like sixty five, and like yeah. half of them were like he takes his himself so seriously. Classic this aggregators. Is, like, unbearable to listen to, and other people are like he's a genius. His songwriting is amazing. Mm. He's very polarizing in that way. So right. It'll be interesting. It, I also I also thought Pure Comedy was a actually really interesting song. It sounds like he's going a little bit deeper into his material rather than just talking about huh. how hard being in, in America and being middle-aged is. I don't know. Ah, It'll he's like Drake. He's born in the USA, man. Actually, one of his songs. Also, Future Islands, releasing their follow-up to their hit album, Singles. The song Seasons like blew up that festival year, and they, they really rode that over the last two years of touring. Uh, their new album's called The Far Field. Touring. I haven't listened to any of the... Yeah, did I say that weird? Touring test. Touring, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. So I say I say stuff weird sometimes. I'm interested to see them. They, uh, they're they a really quickly rising indie rock band. Do really they also fun. like Codeine, like Future? You know, actually, it's funny, because I forgot Future existed when I was looking for them on Spotify, and I was like, how the fuck did I forget Future existed? Because I just wrote in Future, thinking they oh, were yeah. right up. And I was like, <laughs> what are these songs? So that, that was a really... Welcome to the internet. Yeah, I was shocked a little bit. I don't know. They, they're probably a band to see live more than anything because their lead singer just like goes nuts and does these weird dances. Like Definitely that. look them up on That's YouTube. Cool. A couple other albums that are coming out in April, I think, are worth mentioning. Gorillas, Humans. Yep. They've released four or five songs off that. Yes, a bunch. Um, Andromeda with Dram. Vince Staples had the song. There's one with Dram. There's one with Pop Can. There's one with Vince Staples. Yeah, Saturn Bars, which is yeah. the one with Vince Staples. And the one from with the Savages. We've got singer. the power. Yep. Oh wait, sorry. Vince Staples is in Ascension. We've got the power. Has Jenny Beth from Savages. Also, No Gallagher from Oasis. Who, uh, Noel, Noel and Liam Gallagher each have their own bands now because they won't tour together. Mm, but it's kind of cool that Noel, Noel Gallagher's doing stuff. Yeah, Grills is interesting. It's a long album, right? Like twenty four songs or something. A lot of songs. I don't know. But the the songs they released have been pretty short for the most part. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. I don't know. Damon Albarn's interesting. I'll listen to anything he makes pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, definitely worth checking out at the very least. Uh, Harry Styles 
his uh, first solo single, Sign of the Times, comes out April 7th. A packed day for music. Oh, shit. Because you know that'll be the, the highest trend of all these musical projects. So wait, he's not part of One Direction anymore? No, they're just on hiatus. They're all, like, doing some other stuff. I thought he was, the, like... The core four, Zayn left already. I was going to say, I thought he was going, like, the Zayn route and going solo. Well, I mean, he is... He is live He's going to be in Dunkirk. Though. That song is undeniable. Yeah, that song's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty catchy. Uh, Shameless. I also wanted to shout out Logic. Surprise yeah, dropping album trailer for his new album, Everybody, coming out May 5th. Title track cool. already out. Really strong song, kind of talking about, like, racial identity politics, because... Hmm. He, he's a smart dude. He's uh, mixed. He looks white, but, you know, he's uh, biracial. Is he really mixed? Yes. And he's talked wow. a lot about how that's affected things. And he actually caught some flack because initially this album was going to be called Afrikarian, like African and Aryan yeah. combined. Uh, so he's changed that, but he still kind of talks about those themes. It's really cool because the, uh, the, tra- the uh, album cover is a clear homage to The Wedding at Cana by Paolo Vernessi, which is like that uh, I saw you Renaissance that. Uh, painting. Painting of Jesus uh, when he had like the wine to water, like they had like gotcha. the, the, the feast or whatever right after that. Something's so really famous, like you recognize the painting if you look it up, the wedding at Cana. But every like person in it is him, right? Yeah, and like his robot. Cool. So this is like going to be a sequel album to the Incredible True Story, which came out fall 2015, his second album, mm-hmm. which was had like a sci fi theme about like the far flung future. Like he wrote a whole like script for like the premise of that album, and this is clearly the sequel. <laughs> and in the trailer, it talks about how like uh there's like kids at like a uh a museum and there's like a tour guide with them and they see mm. that that out the album cover the new one I'm like oh yeah um tell me he's not gonna like do skits and stuff well he does have skits so they're okay. pretty cool but like race doesn't exist in this far from future mm. so that's like kind of like the backdrop interesting so at the very least i'm interested to see where logic goes with this because i really liked his last album yeah he seems like a really thoughtful yes like smart dude yeah he's like an old soul kind of guy interesting so hmm. that'll be Maybe cool give that so, a listen that's also may 5th but you can check out the everybody title track which we'll put on our spotify playlist we will which you check can find directly linked at our soundcloud and our youtube page so go get that just the last album i wanted to mention is coming out this next month sylvan esso so oh, yeah uh, they're a really uh, quick-rising indie band. Indie's the most vibrant of the rocks. Yeah, well, I feel like everything's indie rock now. Like if That's a good point. If, unless you're, what like, isn't? straight, like, two guitars, like, a bass, a drummer, and a singer. Right. Like, you're pretty much Anyone who wants rock. to jam now just goes to indie yeah. jamming. Pretty much. So, they had a really big hit with Coffee, and their new big album, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm not a huge Sylvan SO fan, but... They're at a lot of festivals this year, right? A ton of them. They're touring everywhere. So you'll be hearing these songs if you go to a festival. And if you do, tweet at us, please, because I don't even know if I'm going to a festival at this point. Going to GovBall, and I get to see Logic's new album now. That'll be dope. Stoked. GovBall's going to be so good, man. Yeah. Why don't we move on to a TV preview? So, Spring TV. You you tweeted about this. I think it's important that you kind of give the premise on how peak peak TV is going to be in April. So if you live under a rock, you're a new, <laughs> new listener, you may have not heard us mention peak TV all the time. But peak TV is the current state of the television industry it's where so- there's 400 plus scripted shows in development every year. Thus, there's too much TV to watch and it's all good. So now it's to the point where you don't have time for the good. You only have time for the great. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously we entertain ourselves with more than just TV, movies, music we've talked about it already. Mm-hmm. But 
April and May is perhaps the peakest of TV in terms of just the sheer quantity of quality programs, or very least interesting programs. So you want me to run through? Just run, run through it. So April 5th, Archer. April 7th, the second half of The Get Down. April 10th, third season of Better Call Saul. April 15th, a millionth season of Doctor Who. April 16th, the final season of The Leftovers, season three. Yes. April 16th, Return of Veep. April 19th, my most anticipated on this list, The Return of Fargo. April 23rd, no Return always. of Silicon Valley. April 26th, Return of Gamora. It's probably the lesser known on this list, but that's like an Italian gangster show that got a lot of buzz last year. May 12th, Master of None. We talked about that before from Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. May 19th, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. May 21st, the long-awaited return of David Lynch's Twin Peaks. Then, of course, May 30th. House of Cards. I know. What and, will they do with the people start, that died? To start all of this off. And then Preachers in June, too, which we're not going to talk about. But R- Rick and Morty on April 1st just all of a sudden drops a new episode. So Adult like Swim... Yeah, sidebar. Adult Swim wins April Fool's Day, right? Yeah. By doing absolutely. an anti-April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah. It's not actually a joke. They they premiered, they streamed their premiere for a whole day. Did By the way, did you see Netflix's April Fool's joke? No, I don't look into them. They were doing, like, Netflix Live, so if you oh, had yeah. Netflix, it, like, came with, up. With Will Arnett. Yeah, and he was just... That was actually, like, once you get that, that was actually really funny. It, it was funny, <laughs> but it was... I, I watched, like, five minutes of it, and I was like, I can't believe they, they like, paid money, like, spent money, like, creating this. Oh, yeah, I remember IGN once made a trailer for a live-action Zelda movie. And this was a few years ago, so this is before everyone expected everything they read on April 1st to be fake. Mm-hmm. So, like, people bought it, and, like, there was real hype about it, so kind of miss those days because now everyone expects it now it's this company trying to one-up each other mm-hmm. if any of you tweeted shitty jokes that you suck like don't do that we're, right. we're past that time Did, didn't Le'Veon Bell do something too where he was didn't like I, not, again, I tried to I, I didn't bother this time <laughs> I don't know anyways yeah so Rick and Morty was dropped unexpectedly kind of yeah, I, think the, I don't think it's coming. The rest of the season is coming out, but they—I think, they, I think they finally confirmed a summer return for yeah. season three. Uh, there's only like 20 or so episodes of Rick and Morty too. I didn't. It's actually not that much. People and they're, they're re-airing this premiere episode all week in case you missed mm-hmm. it on the first. It's awesome. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool. Especially way to with, like with like BoJack and and Archer and mm-hmm. just these really well done animated yeah. shows right now. It's it's pretty cool. And Rick and Morty is also huge because they haven't had a new episode since fall 2015. Yeah, it's, so it's it, been a while. And isn't it also crazy? It's from the creator of Mad Men. I mean, yeah. like it, uh, it's Matt. Um, <laughs> I wanted to give it a, sh- a shot. I didn't realize there was this few episodes. That's a low commitment. I'll try and get to it. Dan Harmon, jeez. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you totally go. blanked on that. So Rick and Morty kicked it off. Uh, Archer comes back, and you can catch up on Archer through Netflix. I started watching that season as well. There's a lot of it, right? Sick. This, is this sixth season? Or seventh season? A lot of This Archer is going to be their eighth, eighth season. season? Yep. I and love H. John Benjamin as a voice actor. He's so so great. Dude, but it's so funny watching him, watching this and Bob's Burgers. Like, yeah, yeah. And they had, <laughs> they had one episode of Archer where he was actually Bob to begin the episode, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Julianne was watching the other day, and she was like, I can't watch this and not think of, like, Bob and Tina and all the kids. So I mean, I think of some way, like he was in Wet Hot American Summer. He's, yep. And it's always the same voice that's so very deep. And he was, He's so underrated. And he was just in a, in a movie that was... Oh, no, he was in Master of None. He, he, oh, he's yeah, a as, a, as a dude. Yeah, as an actual person. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Archer, one of the funniest anime shows on TV. The Get Down. So, Dave, I did not watch The Get Down, did you? Didn't get to it. A uh, friend of the show, Chris Lavitalia, though, oh has very God. bad taste in TV, but he did watch The Get Down. <laughs> and did he love it? Uh, I think he liked it, yeah. Okay, so, so it's not good, so don't I'm watch I'm interested it. in it because it's about like the origin of hip-hop in New York, right. and it's from Baz Luhrmann. 
It's one of the most expensive things Netflix has ever produced. Mm-hmm. And I want to actually check it out because it's a cool premise. It's got a lot of good talent in there. It's got Jimmy Smith. It's got uh, Jimmy Smith. The lead from uh, Dope, Shamik Moore. Oh, young okay, lead. yep. Uh, there's, That's oh, awesome. I think Jane Smith's in it too. It, I don't know. Jane Smith. I'm not gonna put him under talent, but there's those there's people. <laughs> in it. I'm not gonna put Jane Smith under talent. <laughs> Things that are we we should put that at the top of our like Twitter page. <laughs> I am not gonna put Jane Smith. Watch under the talent. Karate Kid with Jackie Chan. I've never actually seen that one. Is it good? It's okay. Oh, yeah. James Smith was also like 13. I won't hold it against him. They didn't need to remake that movie. Swe- sweep the leg one time for me. Yeah, that's fair. Better Call Saul. All right, so w- what should we expect from this season? I've been hearing really, really positive reviews about this. I, this is finally when Jimmy McGill becomes Saul, Saul. for the first time. He's mm-hmm. going to meet Gus. So I think we're really going to, you know, and, and he already some, gets to see some shit. I haven't finished season two, catching up on it. He, We already meet Hector. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Which is pretty awesome in and of itself. The fact that we're going to have yeah. Gustavo Salamanca. back in our lives, dude. Yeah. So pumped about that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about Sam Esmail, Noah mm-hmm. Hawley, Vince Gilligan, man. He's still there. Yep. So see him back. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, we were talking before and... It, I was saying it's still slow, and it's hard to be like, oh, right. Sandpiper, that's really interesting it's, Yeah, the, the plot of the first seasons of Better Call Saul has been uh, light. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's still been a great character show and a great, well, very well-written show. Absolutely. It was, on, it was on my top ten list still, but it, I think that, that'll change a little bit, and it'll be more entertaining, I think, as a result. It seems like, like it's going to pick up, and it's also going to just, like, basically be like that crack that Breaking Bad fans have been like wanting you know yeah. that will be that'll be really fun to watch Doctor Who comes back I mean never been a Doctor Who guy never really got into it there's, me, me neither I mean there was the old old Doctor Who but this current iteration of Doctor Who's been on since 2005 there's a ton of it now so and they just they change that. the doctors every oh, few okay. years so I looks cool but you know it's not something I ever I don't I would never have time to get into these days so but I respect people that enjoy it because it's Solid. Now HBO, I mean April sixteenth. If you're an HBO stand, that that's gonna be your night, man, because they have the leftovers coming back. Which shout out Justin Thoreau. Yes, Justin Thoreau is awesome in that. Also, who, shout, make, who makes this? Is it Damon Lindelof? Yes, yeah. it's David Lindelof. And shout out Liv Tyler, who is also yeah, excellent. Not in been this around show. lately. Also, that that actress. You know how we always say it's like that guy. That guy. That that actress, the one who plays. I think she's actually dead in it now, but she's in the American. She's in season two, one and two of the Leftovers. I forget what her name she's is. She's that guy. That yeah, guy's she, a she's a that guy, and she's she's awesome every time. Leftovers. If you haven't watched it, I never watched it because season one I heard was so bad, and I heard season two was so excellent. I didn't think I, season one was that bad, but it wasn't as well executed as season two, for sure. I'll People, try and get to catch up to watch this final season, because season two gets a ton of love. Yeah, it does. And uh, some people say you need to watch season one, some people say you don't. I think you can probably just jump yeah. in to season two. That's not how I operate. I can't do that. <laughs> but if you want to, go ahead and do right. that. Veep and Silicon Valley come back that night. Now, I well, know, no, 16th and 19th. Oh, did I have that wrong? Yeah, they're actually what different. They're actually different, they're actually different nights. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. 19's Fargo. Okay, that, that's what I was going to say, because Veep, Silicon Valley, and... Veep and Silicon Valley are a week apart. All Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Veep and Silicon Valley, two of the funniest comedies. I think Veep actually probably has the most interesting questions around it at this point. Because of the, where the plot left off? Exactly. Left off with her losing the election, so you're kind of like, what is she going to do now? But, I mean, it's going to be hilarious. They have, they're just stacked. And Silicon Valley is kind of the same way. Kumail. Yeah. If you don't follow him on Twitter, follow Kumail. Yeah, he, he actually has a voice in the new Mass Effect game. Really? Yeah. 
that, pretty, pretty cool. He's like and a he's huge, huge nerd, but like yeah. Well, he said he was a huge Mass Effect fan, so it was like a huge dream to actually be in one of the games. That's awesome. That's pretty. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so yeah, that's the hammer for HBO for the sprint. Leftovers, Veep, and Silicon Valley the three. Leftovers taking the Game of Thrones slot. Yeah, and they're basically going to ride that right into Game of Thrones yeah, in, uh, late right. summer. They rode Young Pope and Big Little Lies into this, which they had used Westworld and Night Of. They've had a great run of uh, TV people like. HBO's a juggernaut right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's good because they actually had, they had a few stumbles, right? They had vinyl. Right. Uh, Leftovers wasn't actually that popular. And actually had the initial, you know, negative buzz. So yeah, um, and, and what else they had? Uh, before that, they had that show with Jack Black, and uh, uh, it was like the end of the world or something yeah. like that, or the button or something. It was like something about. And True Detective season two, that's the other one. So they had, oh, they had, yeah. they had a the, few. The, the brink, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. They, so they had a few blunders, blunder, blunders. Tim Robbins is also in that. Uh, and even Ballers, which is a meh, you know. I watch Ballers. I don't know. It, it's fun seeing Denzel's like son for some reason. Too. That's like the opposite of the take you gave last time. It was it. Yeah, you said it was not good. I mean, it's, you not, said it was it's like, not good. It's you thought, fun it, you thought it was like budget entourage or something. I don't think I finished the most recent season, but it's kind of fun to watch at times. It's also sure. it's The Rock, so he's bankable. Right. He'll get people to watch. Gamora, I don't know anything about. You, what, what channel is that on? It's on like the Sky Atlantic. It's one of those uh, foreign TV shows that's in partnership with something over here. Is it, is it Sundance maybe? I'm not positive. That'll be a niche show this year that you'll see on some critical lists at the end of the year again, similar to like Last Panthers last year. So if you're if you're looking for something that you, you just learned something brand new, that might be something you want. Reading the Wikipedia page here, it says it's similar to The Wire and showing street level crime. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I'd probably really like this. Oh yeah, it's on Sundance TV. Yeah. Yeah, and then I guess Master of None is probably the one I'm most excited for after Fargo. Right. Which I kind of want to say Fargo for for last because. Yeah, I don't know. we can wait to get to it. Yeah, but Master of None season two is going to take place, I think, mostly if not all in Italy. Yeah. Really I mean, you saw Aziz post like a. A picture or two when they were filming it, yeah. which is funny because he's not a very uh, shareable guy on no. social media. I'm stoked for that. I love Aziz Ansari. Probably one of the smartest comedies out there, I would say. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's funny because like some of the stand like stand-up heads, they're like, "Ah, oh, Aziz is Aziz is just okay," and I'm like, "I don't know if you're just you flood the flood your brain like flood the market," mm-hmm. but I think Aziz has really smart jokes. And like cur- like like current event like like millennial humor and stuff like that. You know, what I think it is is the way that he sometimes hits the punchline is so like, eh, like that. And I think <laughs> that kind of takes away sometimes from it because kind of like we talked about with Chappelle where he is slapping his leg, it kind of takes away from just right. leaving it out there. Putting yeah, it in your face. That, that's a good point. Sure. You watch Kimmy Schmidt? No, I do not watch Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. I I begin you to watch Kimmy Schmidt. With take my a guess who and does? Fall asleep. Chris Levitaglia, House of Cards. Do we have to watch it? No, last I, season wasn't that bad. I think last season was the second best season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I love Joel Kinnaman. Actually, the guy, he's the guy who's running against Frank. Yep. He was great. He didn't have much to do on Suicide Squad, but he's still great in House of Cards. Yeah, absolutely. And like where the show left off, where basically those hostages get killed and Frank and Claire mm-hmm. just stone face it. Yep. And like that was his way of like gaining the upper hand against uh, Joel Kinnaman's character. Crazy. So I'm I'm intrigued because I I just like the story even if it's not the most superbly done show. I think it still looks great and it's cool. Yeah. It, so it's like, it has the Fincher influence from its origins. House Cards also has a really uh, good uh, Twitter game. It really mm-hmm. every they, they jump on all the, all the political stuff with like perfect amounts of like yeah. twinge like tinge for the show. Plus like a lot of their supporting characters have. You know, have been getting love outside, like yeah. Marshawn Lee, obviously. Oh yeah. Paul Sparks, who's on the night of. Mm-hmm. So I, they have they have that deep bench, and oh, Michael Doug Kelly, Stamper. that Stamper, yeah. So. Um, 
Twin Peaks, I don't think either of us watched it. Well, yeah, Twin Peaks was before our time, and this is supposed to be a continuation. And from what Alvin Zeppelinwall is tweeting, it's not so much that you'll need to watch it, so much as you'll probably be confused as to what's going on. But also, if you did watch Twin Peaks, you might be confused anyway. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of an endorsement of decide how you want to watch it. I'm going to try and watch Twin Peaks. I think it's the two seasons, 30 episodes. I want to check it out just to try and appreciate it, because I've never really watched yeah. much that was before mm-hmm. my time, you know. It's, uh, I feel like it's hard for me to go back and watch shows like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I will catch up on it. I, everybody said I would like it. We'll right. see. But I think either it's way... It's very influential on a lot of more recent stuff. Exactly. Stranger Things and stuff. And it's really just interesting that it's coming back, and I think people who are fans of it will probably really enjoy it, and people who aren't will probably just won't care about it. Yeah. Stars, I think? Showtime. Showtime. That's right. Lastly, Fargo. FX. Man, they, they've had some really, really good shows, and Fargo might be their best. I stand by Fargo Season 2 as a perfect season of TV. It was pretty damn close if it wasn't perfect. Like, I think me and you, we were, like, talking it out about if you put that above Robot Season 1, like, which one you yeah. like, at the time, you know, they're, they're both really strong. And Noel Hawley actually wasn't really doing any kind of interviews or press for the Legion finale because he's still working on Fargo. He just did, like, some conference calls. Yep, really interesting. So they, they released the first what trailer trailer last week mm-hmm. we had talked about you and mcgregor being cast in it and how he was gonna be playing twins yeah. so you kind of saw that in the preview it looks pretty awesome because he's playing two very different twins it's not yeah, a haircut's are different yeah. yeah and well i think one of them is bald one of them is one's like a bald slub the other one's like a well-dressed <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, rich rich person they also have a pretty good cast for this season it's probably not as stacked as past cast i mean the probably first not. season was like Big Little Lies, like, level. Yeah, Martin Freeman and Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, just incredible. And then last season had... Patrick Wilson. They could try to think of the girl's name, I'm totally blanking. I have Reese Witherspoon stuck in my head from <laughs> Big Little Lies earlier. Oh, uh, here's Dunn. Dunn's Jesse Plemons. Yep, it was just stacked. Uh, Ted Danson, yeah. smart. Colin Hanks, mm-hmm. who was in the first season. So, yeah, they've been doing really good. But this one, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. You know, she was in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. That got her into this... David Thewlis, dude. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a minute. I know, he's the sense Harry Potter. <laughs> Lupin, man. I mean, I'm so pumped to have him back. Jim Gaffigan has a role in this season. Also, what's his name? He was the guy who was in, he's in a lot of stuff now. Hamish Linklater will also be in this right, season. Right, from Legion. Uh, Michael Michael Stuhlberg, who was in Arrival as, like, the FBI guy. Oh, he's, he's, yes. he's a newer that guy, I'd say. Awesome. So, yeah, there's a ton of... Oh, Karen Sani's in this? Awesome. <laughs> he was the Indian cab driver in Deadpool. Oh. But more importantly, he was the lead in Other Space, which was a Paul Feig comedy. Paul Feig did uh, Spy in the most recent Ghostbusters oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, Bridesmaids. That, that was Other Space, which was a, a short season on Yahoo Screen, and that was a, sh- a, sh- a, a network. Gotcha. LOL. Uh, you know what else was who was in that? Who? AT&T Commercial Girl. No way. Milana. She does Vintra. other stuff? I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, she plays Lily in AT&T. That, that's so, really yeah, interesting. So people will... Finally, Karen Sani will get some. Yeah, that's also, cool. this oh, Shay Wiggum's in it too. Awesome, he was in Kong. This is gonna be a great month for Carrie Coon, who has a, a starring role on The Leftovers as Nora Durst. Oh, who's she's actually in both. married to wow. to Justin Thoreau in, on the show, or mm-hmm. at least they're like together now. They might not be married. And then she's also in Fargo, dude. Like, what a month for her. She's mm-hmm. going to be popping models all month, dude. Yeah. Awesome. And Thomas Mann is in Fargo season three. Also in Kong, but he was also the lead in Project X. The, do- yes. the dorky kid. <laughs> Shout out him, dude. <laughs> the, that career resurgence. Actually, I say that he's probably been like acting consistently. He was in a mural, the girl and the dying girl. 
Oh, really? Yeah. He was, uh, like, like, that dorky kid in that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did not, did not recognize him <laughs> as that. Project X, like, secretly, like, making waves. Best $4 Blu-ray I ever bought. Dude, it's so, it's so much fun to watch. It's also good to just throw on at parties, just to, like, yeah. have in the background. Yeah. So, yeah, this season of Fargo is going to be fantastic, like it always is. But tweet your thoughts at us, at NostalgiaPod. Uh, we want to know what you're watching, what you want us to talk about more. A lot to pick from, so definitely let us know what you're focusing on. Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll post a poll or something like that after the weekend to see what people listen to or, or liked the most from all the albums that are dropping. Cause That's right. There's going to be a lot of them. But share us. Share us with friends. Subscribe on yeah. YouTube. YouTube subscribe. Big help. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest help right now. Absolutely. Go there. You can see the links to SoundCloud, the Spotify playlist, which you want to keep up with, with all this new music on the way. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be extra cool, iTunes review as well. Yes, super dope. And if you make an iTunes review, we will read it. We we probably should read one or two that we haven't gotten to before yeah. in the past. I think we have a couple new ones, so we can check it out. But we have a couple of things we'll be talking about next week, I think. I'm going to a couple of shows, so I want to kind of touch on those. Yeah. LCD Sound System show. If you're going to Brooklyn Steel, dude, hit me up, because, <laughs> man, those, those tickets were hard to get. I don't know. Anything going on with you? All right. Just counting down the days to the fate of the furious. You, you, you're just waiting for that Kendrick album to drop, if we're being honest. That's a good point, dude. I can't wait. To I'm actually so it. stoked because Humble is like, this This album is backseat freestyle. It's a really listenable, approachable song on its own, mm-hmm. and I want to know how it fits in the album because Kendrick's a master. It, or if it'll even be in the album. I think it's, it's definitely You think album. so? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like uh, Twin Butterfly's Eye. Same thing. Approachable on its own. Fits into the album way differently. I think Kendrick has probably like thousands of songs at this point. Oh, Doesn't sure. he have like a whole like thing with Kanye, with Kanye that's never been, or there's like something? Wasn't he has it, all his work with Schoolboy Q yes, and that, the rest of the Black it. Hippie guys. That, that was it. So yeah. crazy. All right. Well, anyways, sit down, be humble. We out.